Amen. God is good, right? Everybody stand up for just a second, please. Now, shake somebody's hand by you. Say, how you doing? God is good. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Now say, are you ready? Tell someone, are you ready? Yeah. Amen. You might be seated. Yes, you have to be ready. Ready to, ready to hear. So let's get on with announcements. I tell you what, we got, uh, we got, we got a busy, busy week. This place is busy, and that's a good thing. You got to stay busy. Don't want to get lazy. You know what I'm saying? So we got Greater tomorrow night at 7 p.m. at Area 51. Uh, that's the ladies' fun and fellowship, I think. Then we have Overcomers tomorrow night at 7 at Area 51. Uh, this Sunday, we have Tony Cook 
Awesome man of God. That is, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, man. You're getting, you're getting some awesome teaching and preaching here. That's revelation stuff. So, uh, also trained Bible college graduation that night with Tony Cook will be doing the commencement speaker. That will be great. You're invited. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be good. Also, we got, uh, camp work day, the 27th. Bring your, uh, weed eaters and, and shovels and gloves or whatever. And they also need some volunteers to help, uh, the bunk, clean up the bunkhouse building and so on and so forth. Also, they're going to be serving some, uh, donuts. They like donuts. If I didn't have to work, you know, being the next cop, I'd probably eat a dozen of them. So anyway, uh, there's good stuff. You know, tonight we have a, a Bible, uh, well, I don't really call it a Bible study. It's awesome. And Ephesians, well, I tell you what, I done a Bible study years ago, and a lot of Bible studies that I went to, man, we went through five chapters in one night. Now, you know, that ain't really a Bible, that that's not, you know, this is in-depth study. This is awesome. You're not going to get this kind of revelation anywhere else. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's stuff in there that'll... Uh, that's great. You know, and I, and I'm learning things. Uh, you know, you, you need to learn. You need to learn. You need to grow. So, uh, be ready for tonight. And this is good stuff. Also, uh, I already said the camp, uh, ways to give. We have on, online, and I want to welcome the online, uh, visitors and stuff. Uh, it's great. So, uh, we have on, online at lakechurch.com. We have the envelopes back in the back there. Uh, you know, back of the chair. And we got text to give, uh, which is the number up there, 84321. We also have the church app. Um, we also, you know what, because it's Wednesday night, don't, don't get slack in giving. There's, there's, there's all, you know, there's, there's stuff back there. There's a bucket back there. You can put your offering and stuff in there. You know, um, uh, you really need, you, talking, t- talking about me too, you really have to love to give. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you got to love to give. You get to give, see? It's not a law. You get to give. And that's, that's an awesome thing because your, your finances is definitely going to work here. It's working. You can see it uh, in the growth. You can see it in the teachers and stuff that we have. You can see it in the guests and stuff we have. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Amen. Amen. So, anyway, uh, before the uh, uh, people come up and give up the offering, I'd like to pray over the offering. And, and uh, you know, it's just going to get better and better. Better and better. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this service tonight. We thank you, Father, for the offering tonight. We thank you for the offering Sunday morning. We thank you, Father, that there's just increase in the church and increase in the congregation, that there's just increase. Hallelujah. That this year is a year of increase, spiritually, physically, and financially. We thank you, Father, for this offering. We praise you, Lord, for this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Good evening, Lake Church. Good to see you, brother. Amen. I guess where we're going to turn to. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, 
just so that we get the word of God in here completely, I'm, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to try to break it down. That's kind of where we'll uh, camp here in these next couple of sessions together, because this is a vitally intense scripture. As we saw, we saw that the Apostle Paul outlines the entire work of Christ in uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And he begins to show what God did in Christ on the cross through his death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so he begins uh, where we left off the last time we were together was he fortifies that revelation with a prayer because he says, you know, just because I've told this to you, just because you see it in this letter doesn't necessarily mean that it's alive in your heart. And so the only way that I can get this word to be activated in my heart is through processing it through prayer. And so he gives us a prayer here that our eyes would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his inheritance within us, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. See, these are three things that you need in life. You've got to have purpose, you've got to have provision, and you've got to have power. Those are the three things that are given to us in Christ. They're not ours in the sense that they're inherent within us as human beings. They are ours by virtue of Christ's residency in our hearts. Amen? We've got to understand that we rule and reign in Christ Jesus. That means that he rules and reigns through our lives. It's not we having a personal reign and exhibiting reign over our circumstances and things of that nature. No, it's Christ ruling and reigning over our circumstances. And so that's a big difference, you know, because there's a lot of selfishness that comes with a lot of teaching these days that tries to make it about us having the power to do this and the power to do that. We need to understand that the power is Christ. It's not ours. It's ours by authority. See, it's delegated to us. It's not intrinsic or inherent. It's delegated. Amen. He says, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go. He directs it, gives us power of attorney to act on his behalf. But we don't have it necessarily because of Greg or because of Jeff or because of Joel or because of Leela. Amen. Christ, his anointing flowing through our lives. Amen. And so he, he prays that and he begins to share with us some very, very important truths. But when we get to the second uh, chapter, which there are no chapter and verses in the original text, of course, that's there so that we can just study and for reference materials and things of that nature, he begins to give us a snapshot of who we were before this happened. So he's given us the true snapshot of who we were before Jesus Christ. And that, that is a revelation that is not prominent in the church today. Uh, we're not really preaching the full gospel if we do not preach the depravity of man. And that man is a sinful creature apart from Jesus. And that he is a rebel by nature until Jesus enthrones the heart of man. And we, that's not taught anymore. And many people are coming into churches uh, where they're hearing how good they are. 
and what a, you know, you're, you're enough and, you know, all these phrases. And that is true in Christ, but it is not true without him. Amen. It's not true without him. You're special. You're this. You're unique. Not apart from Jesus, you are not. I might need to come out on the seats and let let you know about that. Listen, you were a depraved, lost rebel that didn't want anything to do with God. I don't care how religious you were raised. You didn't want anything to do with him. You didn't want him. It's his love that made us love him. It's not our love. We didn't reach out and love to him. We were in opposition to him. We were enemies of God. We operated in a nature that was not only anti-God, but anti-human. Because it was the nature of the devil. But most people aren't preaching that at all. See, you've got to be saved from something. Isn't that what being saved would be saved from something? It's not just about being a, you know. Jesus did not come to make you a good person. He made you to be God's people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So if it's just about morality and following rules and things of that nature, then you have an estimation that you are able to achieve the standard of Jesus in your own life. And that is not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And the only way to truly experience resurrection life is to come to a revelation of how dead we were. And how lost we were. If we're really going to swim in being found in God, then we need to get a gravity and a reality check when it comes to who humanity is. Hello. Because one of the major deceptions in the world today is the goodness of man. And so one of the major deceptions that is in the world today that man is inherently good and that he through progression can come to a place of enlightenment that will make him God-like or to exhibit God characteristics. Nothing could be further from the truth. We have sophisticated barbarianism in our nation today. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? They might not have blood on their hands. They may have three-piece suits and tied-up ties. But they're just a hunter like anyone else. And you've got to understand that man is depraved without Jesus. Man is hopeful, hopelessly lost without Jesus. Man has no recourse or way to get to God without Jesus. There's no, Jesus didn't say I'm a, a way. He said I am the way. Amen? And we've got to get a hold of that and understand who we were before Jesus came into our lives. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. Let's look at verse number 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now that word dead is very important. It means, you know, when we talk about death in the Bible, we're not talking about cessation of life. We're talking about separation of life. See, because you can exist without life. 
Now, what do I mean life? I mean life as God gave it. Amen? You go back to Genesis chapter 2. It says that he formed the man, formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of lives, is what the Hebrew says, lives, into his nostrils, okay? And he became a living soul. Now, that phrase is very, very important for us to understand. Is that man was created as a living soul. So we understand that the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the ability to interact in a, in a uh, circumnavigable world that we live in, uh, the physical realm. It's how we connect from the inside to the outside. But he was a living soul. He wasn't just a soul. He was a living soul, which shows that there's a spiritual element. Now, how many remember a series that I did back in 2017 called Wholehearted? How many remember that? Anybody? Five of you? Okay, all right. So I shared with you that the human heart, the spirit of man, is, is, is basically patterned after the physical human heart. The physical human heart gives us an illustration of what the soul and spirit look like. We know from Scripture, uh, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we understand that soul and spirit are one unit because it takes the word of God to separate it. It can't be separated apart from the word of God. So that tells us this. According to 1 Peter, the spirit is known as the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. So it's a compartment of the heart. So the Bible teaches that your heart is a combination of your soul and spirit. So that means as your heart has four chambers, your physical heart has four chambers, you've also got four chambers in your spirit. In your soul and spirit, your heart, your, your spiritual heart. You've got your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then your spirit. Okay? So we've got to understand what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about existing life because many of us existed apart from the Zoe life of God for years. For me, it was 22 plus years. 22 years. I lived in existence. How many know what I'm talking about? I lived what was known as suke life. Psychological life emanating from the soul. I was not alive unto God. I was separated from that life. That life was not a part of my existence. I had a soul and I operated from that soul, but that soul was attached to the sin nature that was in my spirit by virtue of Adam's rebellion. So I'm not a sinner by what I do. I'm a sinner by what I'm born into. I was born into sin. Therefore, sin was my nature. I had the nature of the devil. Hello. Jesus even said this in the sixth chapter, I believe it's the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, to the most religious section of religious society, the Pharisees who tithe their 
uh, herbs and, and tithe their spices. Could you imagine having to tithe your spices? You know, get your McCormick bottles out and, you know. They would tithe their spices. They were revered as the most devoted and the most religious of the entire Jewish population. And he said, you're of your father the devil. Why? Because it's about nature. You understand what I'm saying? It's about nature. You're not a sinner by what you do. What you do is the product of being a sinner. Amen? It's very important. Out of the abundance of the heart, we bring forth either good treasure or bad. Based upon what is within us. And without Christ, we were dead. We were dead. Now, does that mean that we didn't breathe? That we didn't interact, go to our prom, have a first date? Get our first job? Some of you got born again 30 years old. Late 20s, 40s, 50s even. You were existing. You weren't living life as man was intended to live as a living soul. You were just a soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? The living was taken out of it when Christ left. When, when disobedience and sin came into humanity's, uh, you know, uh, God breathed the breath of life. Uh, Satan breathed the breath of rebellion and breathed the breath of pride into humanity and separated man from the life, the Zoe life of God that made him a living soul. And now man operated just simply as a soul. And that's the reason why the soul is celebrated and is um, continued to be the preeminent um, focal point of intellectualism, of academia, of religious thought, of new age thought. The soul is king. Hello. And people have this mistaken notion that if my soul can get educated to a high level of intellectualism, that I will operate in my perfect functionality. And nothing could be further from the truth. Some of the most depraved people are the most educated people in our world. In fact, if you, don't, if you turn on your news, you will see them. They will talk to you. You've elected them. You know? They are intellectual barbarians. Because they don't have the spirit. Come on now. It's just the truth. As good as we might think that they are. How many good deeds they give in philanthropy. It does not matter because it is not based upon the true source of life. Which is Jesus Christ. See I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm here to glorify him. And I can only do that 
the way he prescribes in his word. I cannot do it irrespective of his word. And many people will say, well, you know, there's many ways to God. And there's many. We're all on the same team. No, we're not. It's a matter of being in Adam. And it's a matter of being in Christ. There's only two people in the world. In Adam and in Christ. In Adam all die. But in Christ all are made alive. Amen. Now see what happens when we get born again. Is the divine life that we once had. Enters us. And regenerates our dead condition. Amen. And this is a gift from God. Did you know that? Let's, let's read the whole passage here and then we'll get into this. But this is really good. This is one of my favorite scriptures and passages in the Bible. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. The word walked is locative progressive tense. That means you were in lockstep with this stuff. This was, you were right in line with everybody else. Now, you might say, you know what, I'm, a, I'm an individual. I'm, no, not really. How many found that when you raise kids? They, they want certain type of clothes. They want to wear this, want to wear that. And you drop them off at school and everybody looks like them. Everybody does. See, you get in lockstep. Because, listen, the enemy not only... Did he come in and alter your nature? He created a system to keep you locked in. To keep you deceived into thinking that your present experience is reality. And that's what he's beginning to share with us in this second chapter. He says, you walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. Now, actually, the word there for body is the same as flesh. It's sarks. So the body isn't bad. Your body was created by God. But the desires of the flesh are bad. Okay, and he says you walked in, you know, the lust and the passions, fulfilling the the lust of the flesh and of the body and the mind, and you were by nature, nature. See, the born again experience changes your nature. It's not about just getting your sins forgiven. People say, "Well, I'm going to get my sins forgiven," you know. No, you you know. The forgiveness of sins puts us in a position through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and his cleansing blood that washes away all sin and all obstacle to the Holy Spirit coming and regenerating you and making you a new person. See, there's a nature change. And if you have not experienced that nature change, then you're not born again. That's hardcore, but it's the truth. 
I'm not saying that you didn't, you know, well, you know, I started going to church and modifying my behavior. Well, that's not what, that's not what the Bible teaches. I don't know what the Bible teaches at all. There's a lot of people sitting in the church thinking they're saved and they're not. Their nature hasn't changed. Amen. You know, I prayed the center of prayer four or five times before my nature got changed. Come on. Can we, can we talk about some real stuff? Because guess what? You know, sometimes I'd go up to the altar not to meet Jesus, but to get my wife off my back. Sometimes I had different motives. And it wasn't true motives, but I can tell you, October of 1989, after I left R.W. Schambach meeting early because I had to go pick up my wife for work, I got in my yellow Cadillac and proceeded to start it off, and I uttered one name, the name that is above all names. The conviction of the Holy Spirit was on me, and I said, Jesus. And that sealed me and changed me forever. And I woke up the next morning with a different person looking out these windows. And I knew there was a change. Now, I'm not saying that I thought differently. I'm not saying that I even looked differently. I was still ugly. Amen? Hello? But inside, something changed. And I knew it. And the first indicator that life transformation happened was the, uh, the, the presence of love. You know, First John says, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love. It wasn't a perfect love. I wasn't, I wasn't perfect in love. But, but I had love, and all of a sudden, in my eyes, I began to see people differently. I began to see my situation differently. There was a compassion that welled up in my heart for even my enemies. Why? Because the divine nature moved in. The old sinful nature is gone, passed away. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, they are a new creation the old has passed away. If the old has not passed away, you're not born again. I don't care how many services you attend, how many Bible translations you've got, or how many classes you've taken. I don't care how much good you've done, how many poor people you've fed, how much clothes you've given away, how much money you've given away. I don't care. You don't get there that way. You have to get there through... A new birth. You're born into the kingdom of God. You don't get there through merit. You don't get there through works. You don't get there by doing this or doing that. Or being a part of this club. Or even being baptized at a certain church. You get there by birth. Because you were dead. And there ain't no works going to make you alive. There ain't no amount of money that's going to make you alive. There's no good deed that's going to make you alive. The only thing that made me alive was coming to the revelation 
that the death, burial, and resurrection was real, was true. And by sealing it with the confession of my mouth, Jesus. And when I said it, I didn't say Jesus is Lord. I just said Jesus. But I knew exactly what I was saying, and God did too. And the devil did too. Because I passed from death to life. Amen. See, nature has to change. Because we were by nature, notice what it says, children of wrath. That means we were in opposition to God. And God, let me, let me, let me tell you this, God was opposed to us. I asked this of students in my Bible school class. I didn't ask it this year. I probably need to continue to ask it. But I'll say, what were you saved from? And people will say, well, sin, you know. Of course, you know, we're saved from sin. You know, mediocrity. You know, they gave all these things. But you know the number one thing you were saved from? The wrath of God. Jesus saved you from the wrath of God. Why? Because you were an enemy of God. You were opposed to him. And he was opposed to you. But Jesus came and took your place. And the wrath of God fell on him. Your penalty was placed on him. To reconcile you to God and to afford you the grace that you swim in right now. Because without it, you wouldn't have it. The only way that you can operate and be in the divine nature is through the cleansing and washing flow of the blood of the Messiah. We were by nature children of wrath. Even as others, even as Hitler, we were on the same basis. We were enemies of God. Amen. I'm not an enemy of God anymore. How about you? Amen. If you are today, you can switch sides right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. But God, being rich in mercy. Amen. The word rich there is plutocrat, and it means someone that is filthy, stinking rich. That is so rich that they are absolutely untouchable. Elon Musk, Donald Trump, all these rich guys that can say what they want and they can't be canceled because they're filthy, stinking rich. God is superior to that. He can't be touched because he he's the ultimate plutocrat. He's a philanthropist. Amen. Amen? As we read in the first chapter that he lavished upon us his mercy, his grace. Amen? He lavished upon it. He didn't just do it. You know, the psalmist said, my cup runneth over. We get a little nervous when our cup runs over. We keep looking for a mop, and God still pours. God still pours. He wants you to have overflowing abundance. He doesn't do anything where it's just enough or halfway. 
or three quarters, or that's just a little bit, honey. He causes it to overflow. Amen. And that, that, that's important for you to understand God's nature because the enemy wants to tell you that he is stingy and that he withholds things from you. That's what the lie was at the garden. He's keeping back something from you. you you're not getting all the information. He's not telling you everything. And the devil does it all the time. He does that to our lives, gets us to think that God is somehow withholding from us when the Bible says all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and amen. So you don't have to wonder whether it's yes in regards to the redemption of your life. You don't have to wonder about the healing of your body. You don't have to wonder about the deliverance of your mind. You don't have to wonder about the abundance of your life. He has said yes in Christ Jesus. So we've got to take a hold of that. Amen? God is rich in mercy because of. Notice he's going to share the motivation. His great love with which he loved us. His great love with which he loved us. Even. Now he's going to give you a comparison here. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Romans says, even while we were yet enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. So it shows us that this is a decision, as we found out in the first chapter, that was already decided before the foundation of the world. That means before there was an Eden, before there was a tree, before there was a rebellion, before there was disobedience, before this whole thing happened, God had already planned, pre-planned, predestined that Christ would come and die and he would take the place. God made a decision based upon his great love even before you were even brought into existence. Now that is extravagant. Is that not extravagant? You know, to pre-plan something. To pre-plan something for your creation. To know the end from the beginning and to say, I know my man's going to get in trouble. But I've already made a plan before I made my man. Before I made Adam. I've already got the plot. I've written the book. This is what is going to happen. And nothing's going to stop it. That's how good God is. Amen? Okay. All right. Made us alive together with Christ. Now that's so vital and important for us to understand that life comes from God. And that basically you're operating in three types of life. You're operating in what is known as suke life, which is from your soul. That's your sentient being that interacts with this physical world. And soma life, which is your physical organic body. Okay? But the highest level of life is pneuma life. 
which is spirit life. So spirit gives birth to all forms of life. So spirit life is the parent of all life. Amen? Amen. When man disobeyed and became a partaker of the sin nature through Satan, that life he was separated from Numa life. Now, it doesn't mean that he ceased being a spirit because he was still a spirit. But his spirit was in sin and death. Do you understand that? That's the reason why occultists, voodoo doctors, things of that nature, they can operate on a spirit plane, but it's a spiritual plane of sin and death. And majority of what's done is psychic in the sense that it's done through the soul. Demons have access to the soul. They don't have access to a redeemed human spirit. That is off limits. They're sealed. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. But they still have access to the soul realm. Okay? So when we look at divine life, Christ came to give us life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay? First John says, he that has the Son has life. But he that does not have the Son does not have life. Well, my heart's beating and I got blood pressure and I got this stuff. That's all he's talking about. You can exist without the divine life of God. It's not a good existence. It's not the way you were created to exist. Amen? But look at this. This is so amazing to me. It says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that tells me that the motivation of God is kindness in Christ Jesus. So what did you wake up to today? Kindness in Christ Jesus. What is God's disposition towards you today? Kindness in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the basis. Amen? We are in him. We are in the beloved. Therefore, the love for Je- that God the Father has for Jesus is the same love bestowed upon us. And in fact, we're so united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection and in his seating and placement by the right hand of God the Father that when God sees you, he sees Jesus. Now, you might think that that's a pretty simple thought, but there's a lot of people trip over that. Amen? So notice this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay? 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Okay, so here's a picture. How many have ever had to, well, we're fixing to get in, we're already starting in lawnmower season. Okay, all right. Isn't that fun? Glory, glory, hallelujah. Lawn mowing season, all right? Okay. So sometimes when you're dealing with a carburetor and, a, you know, an engine over the years, you know, and it's set in your garage and maybe you ran it down to where there's no gas in the reservoir or anything of that nature. That's a picture of us with an engine, with a carburetor, with all of the mechanics that are run by it, but yet no ability to run it. None. No ability to run it. The gas has been departed from us. There's just no way. We can breathe into the thing. It will not work. We can try to put water and all kinds of different substances in it. It will not work. So what he's showing us here is that, yes, we were existing and we had a spirit that was separated by God. And what happens is, is the gospel message comes and brings a little smidgen of faith that will prime the pump. Amen? Amen. See, your soul is still active. And your soul houses your will. Now, there are some people that say that man does not have a will. That is not true. Because in order to truly worship God the way God desires to be worshipped, it has to be done by will. And to be created in the image and likeness of God means that we have the ability to choose. And over and over in the scripture, he tells us, Today I have set before you death and life. And he says, choose life. The Bible often uses these words, If you... If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, if you will continue in my word, then you are. See, if there is just God in control of everything, then there's no if. There's no if. You can't have an if. If God has orchestrated, this is what's going to happen. You're eating cornflakes today. You're wearing a blue blouse today. You're wearing gray pants and you're wearing, you know, flip-flops. And that's what you're going to do. You have no choice in the matter. Now, I understand God's ways are more than our way. I understand that. I'm not saying that he is not sovereign. God is sovereign. But he has sovereignly put us in this position to where we can exercise choice Through revelation. And that's exactly what happens when the gospel message is preached. Now, I had the gospel message preached to me dozens of times. How about you? But guess what? It didn't prime the pump. 
No, I'd get to thinking about it. You know, it. You know, maybe that's right. You know, maybe that's you know. But but never started the engine. Never started the engine. It was there. The power was there to start the engine. But I just didn't access it by an act of my will. I said, well, yeah, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going up there. I ain't going to do that. That's foolishness. See, there's a battle going on in my mind, my will and emotions. But when that gospel message came on that October night, 1989, and I began to hear it through an impassioned preacher of the gospel that was preaching it in faith. See, that's vital and important to understand that you need to have preachers and teachers that preach and teach in faith. You need to have preachers and teachers that when they read the Bible, they're reading in faith and by faith. Because it can be read without faith. We've all done it for years. We can read it without faith. We can teach it without faith. But I'm telling you what, when someone is reading the Bible by faith, when they're reading passages, and some of you are experiencing that even tonight, as I'm reading just the verses, things are coming to you. Why? Because it's being read in faith and received by faith. See, that's how it works. Okay? So what happened was all of a sudden, a little bit of that faith juice got in and began to activate my spirit, began to activate my spirit. And enough came in, a gift from God, because that's what the gospel message is, is a gift from God that comes into the heart of man. Man believes and he confesses out of his mouth. And what happened was, is there was just a little bit of juice put in that carburetor inside my spirit. And it began to cause it to fire up. And when it fired up, I made a declaration, Jesus! And praise God, I was filled with life that never depletes. I don't have to have my tank refilled. Come on now. I don't have to have my tank refilled. I don't have to, you know, go back to the gas station. I need a fill up. You know, people are coming to church like that all the time. I need a fill up. Well, you're filled with its fullness. What are you talking about? Hello. I'm feeling so dragging. Well, you're feeling dragging because you ain't tapping into what's on the inside of you is what you're doing. You're too busy belly aching and complaining and whining and giving your energies over to things that the devil wants you to do to deplete you of strength. And I'm here to tell you strength resides in you. It lives in you. God's spirit's on the inside of you. You've received the playroma of God. The fullness, the full sum and substance of Jesus lives on the inside of you. Now you've got to learn to yield to it. You've got to learn to activate You've got to learn to continue to stay filled. It says, but be being filled with the Spirit is what the Apostle Paul says. Continue to be being filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? By speaking to yourself. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making, your, making melody in your heart to the Lord. My goodness gracious, you've got to start opening up your mouth. Now that opening up your mouth isn't where God said, okay, woo, you know, that's not what it happens. The opening of your mouth releases the wells of salvation that are already on the inside of you. Causing you to operate in an abundance and an overflow. Amen? 
I'm telling you what, he lit my candle, he primed my pump. And when I made Jesus Lord, when I confessed Jesus as Lord, I was attached to a gas tank that will never run dry. There is power on the inside of me and an ability to access that power 24-7, 365. Amen. Regardless of where I've, what I feel like, regardless of where I'm at. If I'm in a hospital bed or I'm in a jail cell, I got the power. Amen. Okay. All right. You guys sound okay. We just got about 10 more minutes. All right. For by grace are you saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. You didn't believe this. Faith came. Just like faith is coming right now. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what situation you might find yourself in. But I'm telling you, you came in here with severe doubts about certain situations in your life. Obstacles and mountains and Goliaths glaring at you and staring at you right now. And you come into a situation like that where this living word is opened up and read from and preached. And what happens Faith comes, begins to activate within our lives. And we begin to see a new perspective. We begin to see that there is hope. That we can overcome. That yes, maybe I'm not thinking about this right. Yes, that's exactly right. God loves me, cares for me, and has made me an overcomer. These are things that come when we get into our quarry, so to speak. When we get together and we hang together as living stones, God's Word comes in and infuses us with strength and with faith and with victory. Come on now. And we may have come in with a crumbs and walk out with a beautiful piece of victory pie. Amen? Why? Because there's a supernatural exchange. Amen. There's a supernatural exchange. Every time the word. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when I was sitting there listening to R.W. Schambach, those spirit life words began to come in and permeate me. It began to infiltrate my soul, getting in and kind of like, you know, just kind of dripping around and kind of getting around there. And it was getting around and my heart was getting activated. It was getting ready. It was ready to receive. And man, that, that fire, that, that fuel hit my spirit and boom. You know, the Apostle Peter experienced that. 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Who do men say that I am? Oh, you're Jeremiah. You're, the, you know, John the Baptist. He said, but who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ. Boy, he got his pump primed, didn't he? Did you know what God was doing? He was testing the lines. It's testing the line. Why? Because when faith enters the heart, it promotes unction. Yes. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, 
and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt be saved. Amen? I didn't get as far as I thought I would, but we're, we're getting there, all right? It says, notice this. It is not a result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Pride is the antithesis of what God wants in your life. There's absolutely no boasting in your salvation or any redemptive aspect of your life. Because you didn't do anything. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were unresponsive to God. And not just unresponsive, but an enemy. And he made you alive together with Christ. By, faith, by grace, you are saved through faith, which is the operation of God. And it's a gift. That faith is a gift. And the faith today is a gift. The faith coming from this word is a gift. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When the word of Christ penetrates the hearts of men and a, and a Logos word becomes a Rhema word, then, praise God, your heart is activated. And how you got born again is how you get healed. And how you get healed is how you prosper. And how you prosper is how you get delivered. And how you get delivered is how you believe God for your family. It's through grace. By faith. Amen. Okay. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So that's the new creation. The new creation is that we're created in Christ Jesus. Think on that. You're created in Christ Jesus. You're created in Christ Jesus. So that means what you see in the mirror isn't the real you. That means the limitations and the flaws and the past and the junk and the stuff that you don't like about yourself. That's not, that's not even you. You've been created in Christ Jesus. The real man's on the inside. The hidden man of the heart that has been born of God. That was once dead in trespasses and sins. But now has been made alive together with Christ. And has been seated to the highest place of honor and glory and authority. Yes. Yes. You act like you heard this before. But I'm telling you, you need to take out a little bit different look, guys. You can't get, let this stuff get old. You can't let this stuff get old. And notice what he says. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works. Amen? Not by good works. You're not saved by good works. You're saved for good works. So what's happening is Jesus moves in. He says, I'm going to do my works through you. He did a work to you and for you. He wants to do a work through you. 
and that what he does is he lives in us. It says, I was crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, it's I that live, but not I. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So you have the faith of the Son of God. Oh, that's the reason why Jesus in Mark eleven twenty two could tell the disciples after they marveled at the tree being dried up from the roots. He says, have faith in God's what the King James says. But actually, the Greek says, have the God kind of faith. How can we have the God kind of faith? Because when we are born again and Jesus resides in our hearts, we don't live our own existence anymore. Christ lives in us and the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. So we have the same faith that Jesus operated in in his earthly ministry. Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. He spoke to storms. You should speak to storms. He spoke to un, to barren things in life. He spoke to fig trees that bloomed and didn't give any fruit. You need to start speaking to that bank account, speaking to that business, speaking to that body, speaking to that situation, speaking to unfruitful things in your life that look like they're bearing fruit. But he said, no man will eat fruit of you. Oh, here, this, this is a bold, bold declaration. This is for someone in this house. No doctor will make any money off of you from this day forward. That's a bold, that's a bold statement. Some of you need to talk to your kidneys and to your heart and to your lungs. And you say, no doctor will ever have a steak dinner based upon any meeting that I have concerning you from this point forward. Well, that's pretty bold. Jesus cursing a fig tree in front of his disciples was pretty bold, don't you think? Jesus getting woke up out of a nap. Master, carest thou that we perish? And Jesus going, golly. Hello? See, that storm was supernatural. You have to understand that. Fishermen don't go in boats and storms. If there was evidence of a storm in two occasions, one when Jesus walked on the water and the other when they were going to the Gadarian demoniac, the storm happened because it was spiritually activated. Fishermen don't go out there and mess with that. They can sense it in the air. They can sense it in the wind. They can sense it in the waves. They won't get out in the middle of a you know, of a, of a sea if it's got that way. So that tells you that no matter what the enemy brings you in the middle of your travel from point A to point B, the same thing that Jesus did is the same thing that you are supposed to do. Because greater is he. As in me. See, Jesus believed 
that he had something bigger than what was on the outside of him. Do you? Do you? See, you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared what? Beforehand. It goes back to the first chapter where he talks about he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. It also talks about it again in verse number 11 of chapter 1. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You know, predestination is not God choosing whether or not you were saved or you were lost. Predestination is the already ordered, complete, wrote out book that God already wrote about your life. Because everything is created twice. Okay? So this world and your whole existence is created by words. So there's a book of Joel in heaven. Not just the book of Joel in here, but the book of Joel. The book of David. The book of Montana. It's already there. And it's written. And uh, I'll I'll leave you off with this story. But one guy ran into his, uh, he had the grace to see his guardian angel. Because all of us have an angel. Did you know that? All of us. Some of us have more than others. Depending on the assignment. And depending on the territory that we're in. But generally you're going to have two. Because Jesus said. When it came to children. He says. Do not their angels. Are not. Do not their angel. Do not their angels. So you got to at least have two. Okay, all right. Now, he had the opportunity to run into his angel. And uh, so he, his angel comes and brings him a message. And that's one thing. Angels bring messages from God. They also bring strength. And they also bring healing. We see this many times in Jesus' ministry. Especially after he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. It says, and the angels came and they ministered to him. Okay? They gave him strength. You look up that word, it means the strength and healing and, and reviving. They come and they bring that. They bring that. They're called help from the sanctuary is what the psalm is called. And so they're here to help us as we venture out as heirs of salvation. They're here to help and aid us. We are not their masters. They do not hearken to our word. Psalm 103 says they hearken to the word of God. So we don't have, you know, and they're not to be worshipped either. Because John fell down at the feet of one of them and began to worship. And the angel said, get up, worship God. Amen? So understand that. Okay? So here this angel shows up and he's talking to him about certain things in his life. And so the angel pulls this scroll-looking thing and opens it up. And it's like something out of Star Wars or Star Trek or something. It's kind of like a, 
um, a hologram type thing, and it's multidimensional. It goes this way, and it goes that way, and it has all these dimensions, and it had all these little little points all over it. And he says, well, what are you looking at there? He says, I'm looking at your book. And he says, well, what are all those dots and connections and things of that nature? He says, God has well orchestrated and planned out your life to where when you miss one connection, he's got five others. Hello. Because it, it would flatten. He said it would flatten and he would see it. And then it would open and expand, you know. And then it would breadth and height. And it was our life. It was the life God intended for us to live. Now, whether or not we cooperate with that is up to us. We can choose to say no. We have that right given to us by God. Is to say no to his grace. And say no to the plan that he has for me. But see, these good works were preordained. Before the foundation of the world. So there is. You were, you're, you're not here because there's not purpose in your life. No one has been born into this earth without a plan. Without a purpose. God wrote it. Already. That's, think about how big God is to write a novel like you. You're a novel. You are an epistle. Paul said we're living epistles. We're living letters from God. Amen. I shared with you, you know, when I, I love my wife. I love her, love her, love her. And I experience God's love by just her being in my life. Do you understand that? She's a love letter to me. Now, regardless of what you think about her, to me, she's God's love to me. I, my kids are God's love letter to me. My friendships and the people that I get to work with and, and ride with, they're God's love letter to me. They're gifts. That doesn't mean they're not going to irritate you. doesn't mean that they're not going to make you mad. But they're gifts from God. Amen. Amen? Amen? And you know, Jesus always spoke to that. He always spoke to destiny. He never spoke about past mistakes. He didn't speak about failings and, and, and things. Oh, you've done this and you did this and stuff. He had to read the woman of Samaria's mail to get her to open herself up to the reality of who he is. But he was speaking to her destiny. He was speaking to what was on the inside of her. Because when Jesus looks at you, the Holy Spirit, He sees a book in activation. He sees chapters already written. He sees things already accomplished. As far as God is concerned, you have crossed the finish line. You are in the victor's chair. You have the crown on your head. You have won. 
We just have to cooperate. Why would he tell us to run our race if there wasn't a race? Is that just a pleasant metaphor? No, we all have a race to run. We all have days to accomplish. That's the reason why. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord's heavy on me right now. That's the reason why you should never let your days dictate who you are. You shouldn't live for the day. The days are your servants, not the day your master. Why? Because there's something on this day right now, 809 in May 17th. There was written and decreed in heaven that you would sit here tonight and hear a message that would infuse faith in you that you are not a mistake, that you are not a problem, that you are not someone that is a victim in this life, but that God wrote your story before the foundation of the world and that I have the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. And that I have the word of God to be able to walk out that story that has already been declared in heaven. And I'm here to tell you, angels stand and they salute Almighty God when a believer walks in what God preordained them to walk into. Hallelujah. And that... It's just a part of what I was supposed to bring tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll have to wait till next week for my board. I had I had them bring this board over and I thought I was gonna get on the board, but praise the Lord, we ran out of time. But if you're here and you need to step in, you need to get activated. Maybe your pump is primed and you're ready to declare Jesus is Lord and pass from death unto life. Or maybe you just have been lackadaisical in your life and you forgot who you are. Over and over again, the apostle Paul reminded believers, don't you know? Do you not understand? And he always pointed them to not their identity in the world, not the identity of their flesh, but the identity in Christ. I'm telling you, when we understand our identity, sin will not have a sway over us. It will not have influence over our lives. You see, bondages will fall at our feet because we know who we are. When you know who you are, you don't want to act certain ways. You don't want to do certain things. Just simply by you know your character. Most people don't know who their true character because they haven't been realized that they're saying when they were born again, they got the divine nature. They just think their sins were forgiven and now, no, you got a brand new nature on the inside of you. 
The nature of God lives and dwells on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to bear his fruit. See, he doesn't have fruit. He's it. We bear fruit. See, he wants to bear fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and meekness. Come on now. And if you're not experiencing that fruit, something's wrong. The first fruit you need to experience is love. How do I know I'm born again? I pass from death unto life. I love the brethren. I don't pray a prayer to Jesus and get up and hate my brother, you know. That's not the proper fruit. That's not the proper. Come on. Hello. If you're a racist, you'll no longer be a racist. If you're prejudiced, you'll no longer be prejudiced. If you hate certain types of people, you'll no longer hate certain types of people. You'll love all people. Come on. Hello. If you hate men, you'll love men. If you hate women, you'll love women. Come on now. Love comes into your life. Come on. Hello. Amen. That's what happens. Well, you need to experience that tonight. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, then I couldn't think of a better night than right now. Amen. You need healing in your body. If you need deliverance, we're going to have ministers that are going to be stationed up here. After I close the service, come up. Walk out with what you need. Because it's right here in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm excited about this week because Tony Cook's going to be with us. Tony Cook's one of my favorite instructors, you know, that I had in Bible school. And, of course, he's a great author of many books that will be a great blessing to you. He'll have them available. But what I'm really excited about is Sunday night. And we've got several graduates that have sacrificially given of their time for over nine months, close to, you know, nine months of the year, to study and to set themselves apart for a period of time to be developed and to be educated in the things of God. And this is the first... um, graduation service that we will have a full-fledged praise and worship it'll be just a wonderful service ministry will be done but we'll also be acknowledging the graduates that have went through there so i would encourage you don't see this as a service that you can't be a part of don't see it as something well that's a graduation no it's for you it's for you so i just would like to fill this place up in honor of the graduates and in honor of who we're bringing in, the guests that we're bringing in, because, you know, this is a wonderful ministry gift that will be a great blessing to your life. So I encourage you to be with us at 6 o'clock that night. We'll remind you again at 10 a.m. Sunday, but 6 o'clock. And let's cheer our fellow brothers and sisters on. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.